I think where the Reformation sort of overreacted was by being so worried about not allowing good works to get us into heaven, that good works came to be seen as a negative. Like we can't do anything positive because God might think we're trying to earn God's favor or people might think we're showing off and not trusting in God's grace. And I think it just created a lot of apathetic Christianity, a lot of lazy Christianity where it's like, God's grace, baby, I'm in and can't do anything else because God might think I'm here to impress. Welcome to episode 66 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can watch us live Tuesdays at 9.15 p.m. Eastern at pubtheology.com. And of course, you can listen anytime wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsors. As usual, first up, Casual Priests the maker of fine clergy wear out of Sweden. If you are a clergy person and you are looking for a tailored and modern, confident and stylish look, head over to casualpriest.com and you can win a free outfit from the casual priest if you leave us a voicemail on our casual priest hotline 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830 and you can also join our conversation anytime on the social mediums, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Use the hashtag PT Live so that we can find your comment. And our wine sponsor is Wink Wine Club. Wink, spelled W-I-N-C, features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. Get started at trywink.com slash PT Live for $20 off your first order and other savings. Back to you, Brian. Mm, I, might, <laughs> I, might do, I might do that. You, you almost talked me into it there, Tina. I might just... <laughs> you're, you're the last one, Brian. I haven't signed up yet. Uh, because I believe they don't deliver to my state yet. That's uh, possible. Yeah. Because right. you're lame. But I haven't checked recently, so I will I will get back to that. I will get back to that. Well, tonight we discuss the Reformation. Uh, it's coming up on the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther nailing those theses to a church door over there in Germany. So we'll hit on that. Were Martin Luther's critiques of the Catholic Church valid? Was his reading of the Apostle Paul accurate and his recovery of what he called the true gospel? Do the theological battle lines of that era still carry weight today? Well, we will get on our late medieval theological thinking caps and discuss. My name is Brian Burkoff. I am pastor of Holland UCC in Holland, Michigan, and I'm author of the book Pub Theology, Beer Conversation, and God. And tonight I am for the topic, uh, once again, drinking uh, an Oktoberfest Session Marzen from Germany. Seemed appropriate. Uh, so we'll we'll give it another go. With us as usual, Ogan Holder and Tina Simmons. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I am Reverend Ogan Holder from Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts, enjoying the balmy the balmy New England fall. Yes. It was like 81 today. And mm. I was 
I've been with the top down on the new Miata. You'll be hearing me talk about the new Miata for a while. Sorry. I just love my new tiny car. Tiny car. Anyway, awesome. I'm the author of Rants Revelations, and I am drinking also in honor of this month, also a German Oktoberfest. This is from Cambria, Bavaria. Ooh. Oh, uh, it is a can. I don't know. Where is this from? Anyways. Oh, it was brewed here, though. It was brewed in Vermont. Well, that's a letdown. But it's a German Oktoberfest-style <laughs> beer called... Knock off. There you go. Let's pop that sucker. There we go. Uh, I'm Tina Simmons, author of Xandrail. Being human is overrated. I almost pulled an Ogan and forgot my tagline as T. Griffin. And tonight, I am drinking a hot toddy, which originated in Germany. Woo! I'm just kidding. Did you buy it, though? Did it sound real? Did I sound like I, I know? I, what I, I was right there with you. I was right there with you. Because yeah. nobody and, told me that we were drinking German beer tonight. Well, actually, it turns out I lied as I looked at my can a little closer. This was brewed in Wisconsin. Okay, so you we're all knockoffs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's the German style. Exactly. Exactly. It's the German style. Absolutely. So we had uh, 80 degrees as recently as yesterday. We got to the beach after church on Sunday, which when you can swim in Lake Michigan in October, you're not complaining. Stop but today, today it got cool. Got cool. It was like mid 60s and tomorrow might be even cooler. So it feels like fall is now falling. So you've joined the rest of us. Well, Ogan's still out front of that, I think. It is warm. It's really weird to see the trees turning and leaves falling off the trees, and it was like 80 degrees out. Oh, wow. So, I don't know. That's crazy. That's crazy for New England. I'm surprised you didn't have snow yet. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's like I was thinking literally at the beach on Tuesday, so warm, beautiful. I'm like, in one month, we'll probably have snow boots on. Yeah. (laughs) It'll, It'll probably really hit us hard to make up for it, but, you know. Exactly, exactly. So we're going to get right into it here. Uh, Popular legend has it that on October 31, 1517, Martin Luther defiantly nailed a copy of 95 theses or arguments of things he had issue with or theological clarifications he wanted to make to the door of a Wittenberg Castle, the Wittenberg Castle Church. And this event is often sort of the one that is marked as kicking off the Reformation, though, of course, many things were laying the groundwork and happening uh, preceding that. But, uh, yeah, we'll... Hmm, wondering for you guys, uh, does this anniversary mean anything at all? Uh, would it cross your mind if I wasn't saying it right now? Would um, Is your faith community uh, acknowledging this anniversary or any faith communities of friends who are making a big deal of this, uh, perhaps some Lutheran or Reformed friends. What's your take? Um, no, I would not be speaking about it if you hadn't brought <laughs> it up to the show. In fact, <laughs> as you can see on my Facebook page earlier today, I was like, where are the cliff notes on the Reformation? I have not exactly. talked about this stuff since seminary. We didn't really spend a whole lot of time. Where's the, where's the 15 theses? Who needs 95? <laughs> exactly. Can you like round those up? God gave us 10 commandments. Why are you give us 95 theses? Seriously. <laughs> the anti-commandments. Oh my goodness. Mm. Um, but no, it is, it is, it I mean, you know, when you look at the Christian story or or the evolution of Christianities, um, it it is a hallmark 
moment it 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 is a moment that signals something different like hugely different is going to happen not just in the not just in the way church operates because a lot of this was speaking out against the catholic practices of indulgences where you can basically you know buy your way or the the soul of your friend out of purgatory it was the catholic mm. way of raising money um yeah or ingenious some might say but uh great so, business move <laughs> it, it was it was yeah. a great marketing move they made a ton of money uh but but he was speaking out against that a lot was uh, was a lot of this but also it it was a big theological shift in how we understand uh you know god's grace and yeah. um so That's so right. it, it was a, it was a big shift that basically split i would say christendom you know so so it should be honored but i think given how christianity has even even within the protestant you know category how many splits and divides they've been and how that's evolved to like you know you got a movement like unity that's like barely christian at best i mean like barely mm. you, know, you know my running joke is you got the big ten of christianity and we're like in the tent flap fluttering in the breeze just about to like take off in the wind um, yeah, you know, <laughs> so, so, so this, so these kind of hallmark, like strictly Christian theological things won't, won't necessarily come up, be observed. If, if I was speaking at my church this Sunday, I'm not, cause we got a men's retreat I'm going to be at, I, I may would have mentioned it, but very briefly, just as the context of things always need to reform, change, evolve. And that's a good thing. Yeah, you'd be like Reformation. <clears throat> moving on, exactly. <laughs> so, would you consider yourself a Protestant uh, as opposed to a Catholic, or would you not even use those categories as uh, applying to you either for either of you? Well, it most certainly doesn't apply to me. <laughs> Seriously, um, I honestly, Brian, I don't even call myself Unity anymore. Yeah. My ch my church consists of trees and fresh air and mountains right now. Ooh. So, you going full pagan? So maybe yeah. I'm. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, but I I, uh, I do still respect Christianity and um, the movement, and <clears throat> I think what he did, and we'll talk about this more later, is he did get the ball rolling in the right direction. And as Ogan said, it's it's split. Christianity didn't just split it, it shattered it into a million different pieces, um, which I think is good. Um, I think it's good that people think and choose and... When you say you respect Christianity, like everything's on a spectrum. So like, you know, on one end we have respect as much as reverence. The other end we have respect as in, sure, I'll acknowledge that you exist. Where are you when it comes to Christianity on that spectrum? Because I've never heard you say that you respect Christianity before. That's, that's news to me. Probably oh. closer to the I respect the fact that you exist. Um, yeah, I no. think Ouch. because but, <laughs> because I see both sides of it. You know, I see how it's used to manipulate people, as as was back in the day when you know people were paying their last dime just to try to get into heaven. You know, get their salvation. Like the church was preying on those people, and that's horrible. And and I think that still exists today. But on the flip side of that, I, I see so many people that 
are such good-hearted Christians and really do so much good in this world and help others and love others. Personally, I think those kind of people could have been born into any faith and will still be that loving and kind because that's who they are. Um, but then I also mm -hmm. see the people that Christianity saved them. I mean, it saved them from, it, it was something they clung to. It was a life preserver when, when they felt abandoned or hopeless or were addicts and needed something to focus on. So I, I see it as it's a tool for some people. It's, you know, some people need it. Uh so are you punishing are you punishing the faith because of the crooked people who No, did you hear what I said about the rest? Did you just shut down after I said Yeah, pretty much. No, I did not I did not shut down, but I'm saying I think that um and this happens with a lot of people, the the they they can't separate the actions of people who misuse their power and position from the faith itself so no and so i'm just wondering it seems and this is not a, an attack on you in any way shape or form it, it but did, did did the misuse of people in the faith sway you more than the other folk i think so i mean i i think i could have no i couldn't <laughs> I was gonna say I could have lived my life being a good little Christian girl, but there's no way. Um, oh boy! No, I would have always had questions. I would have always been curious, and there's a lot of sects of Christianity that do not allow questioning. And I'm, I mean, I asked people to describe me in one word, and most people described me curious, or um, what was the one something about Pandora? You know, just, just. I I, yeah. I thrive on living in the question. So yeah, yeah, I don't think I could have ever stuck with Christianity. Yeah. Well, uh, I would probably consider myself a Protestant. Uh, grew up in a theological tradition, a Reformed tradition that really claimed the Reformation as uh, you know its birth um, birth place or something like that, uh, a significant part of its history. And so it was celebrated, uh, the work that Martin Luther did and after coinciding and afterwards, John Calvin and some of the others. Uh, but even now that, you know, I've, as Tina has said, asked a lot of questions and done a lot of searching and, and had a lot of shifting in my, my faith journey, I think I'd still call myself a Protestant because I think I'm still in that stream, which, as you said, it broke open Christianity to all these different expressions. And yet I'm part of the strand that comes out of what, you know, followers of Martin Luther or Calvin or whoever, uh, early congregationalists or pilgrim Christians um, sort of did thought believed. Uh, and I'm in one of those uh, denominational streams yet. So, yeah, so I guess I consider myself a Protestant, but Wanting to hold, wanting to hold on to that part of the Reformation that was that we are reformed, but we're always reforming. You know that it's not an, an it's not an arrival; it's a continual step along the path. Well said. So you're like you're like floating downstream in one of the tributaries that branched off from from the Protestant main artery. Exactly. I think oh, I thought you were saying you're still part of the main artery. No, he's not part tributary. Of no, he's okay. no, he's one. I'm part of a mainline church, but that doesn't mean you're part of the main strand. I'm not sure what it means exactly. <laughs> Glad you gave this some thought. <laughs> yeah, that was right. not helpful. Wasn't that useful? Brian, we're all just water. 
<laughs> oh man, and I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> I would wow. say we're so water. we got to decide if we're gonna just lay back and float, or if we're gonna try and swim upstream. <laughs> exactly. Or, you know. Oh, well, how about I'm going to float upstream? How do you like that? I'm gonna float upstream. Mm. You damn pagans. <laughs> <laughs> exactly something's fishy <laughs> all right so, um, so my church i don't know we'll probably acknowledge it in some way but we're not going to go out of our way to you know overly focus on it i would say that you know there's a big you know reformation 500 celebration happening uh in my town uh, a lot of reformed churches and, and lutheran churches that are super excited um catholic churches that are probably less so um just saying and and but here's here's why i would not call myself a protestant in the pure sense because when you when you look at what martin luther really said and you look deeper first of all he he was still grounded in that uh basic idea of original sin and you needed to be saved you know his his only his contention mainly was you know god's grace is available to everyone not Um, by the fact of your existence, not by you know the works you did or the indulgence you paid, which was a, yes a huge theological shift. But it was still in that mainstream idea of original sin, whereas I subscribe to the the other branch, which I don't even know where that branch would exist in this tributary of mm. original lesson. So that's even further upstream because both Catholicism and the Protestant movement were grounded in that idea of. You know, man is born original sin. We invent, inherited it from Adam because of the fall from the garden, yada, yada, yada. But then there was right. the main tributary of which was, you know, eventually covered up so people couldn't explore it so well. <laughs> the yeah. Original lesson um, and not original sin. So I'm downstream of that wherever, whoever is down there. We- I don't even know if that's a branch off. I think you're a totally different river, you know, like a, I'm thinking ooh. that too, Ogan. I don't even know where you're going with all that. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, saying, I, I know what he's saying. I know what you're saying. Because even, I mean, that was a school of thought in the early Christian church as well, before the Protestant movement. So, mm-hmm. so it, it, it's up there somewhere. Near yeah, the, I mean, near the, mouth of the, near the source of the river, near the spring that came out of the mountain. Sure, and that's a beautiful place to be. You know, I think it was... Um, where the water is the freshest, the freshest, exactly. No, no one spoiled. No one spoiled the water when you go to the source. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I believe it was the Church Father Augustine who uh, sort of really latched on to original sin uh, and the fall happening in the Garden of Eden, and then sort of setting up this need for Jesus' death to be the recovery or the reconciliation of God because of the fall. And let's not also forget Martin Luther's raging anti-Semitism. Mm. Yeah. Let's 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 table that for the moment. But yes, that should be noted. <laughs> Brian, let me ask you something real quick. Well, I don't, I don't, let's hit on some of his ideas, and then maybe if we want to get to, yeah, he had some issues. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> let me ask you something real quick, okay? Because you sent me a lot of information, and I, I knew what I knew about Martin Luther from my teachings when I was younger and from a movie I saw. Um, so if you could, if you could explain to a, a child, a 10 year old, um, what, what his main points were, not all 95, what his biggest points were. I know, um, I know it was, you know, you know, you can't buy your way into heaven. I know he, well, 
if I recall correctly, it was about um, worshiping symbology instead of worshiping God and about how everybody should be able to read the scripture, not have it read to them. Yeah, those were certainly a part of it. I think one way to think about it is there was these uh, five solas or sola meaning alone in Latin. And so one of these is sola scriptura. So by scripture alone, do we know God or know truth? Second one is sola fide or by faith alone. So we can have salvation by faith alone. Sola gratia, by grace alone. So we've got scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, and then uh, solo Christo through Christ alone. And then the last one, sola Deo Gloria and the glory goes to God alone. So scripture, so faith, pick grace, which one you want? Jesus, God, no, that I know it, the irony is they all say alone, but then there's not just one, there's actually five. So, you know, that doesn't sound like they're alone. It sounds like they're together, but I'll I, leave think, that I think the aloneness meant you were, you could be on your own when you did it. You didn't need the human intervention of a priest, the, the priest or the Pope. Well, maybe, maybe that's part of it, but I also think it's, it's that, yeah, you can only come to a knowledge of faith through scripture and you can only come to God by faith and God only accepts you by grace. And Jesus is the only one to get you there. And you can't take any credit for it or the church can't take any credit. Only God gets the credit and the glory. Something like so that. So that, that's in a nutshell, the five solas. Those are, those are like central. Brian's talking with his hands. I'm talking with my hands. So, so, and and really, this the centerpiece, and we've hinted on this a little, and and Ogan referred to this that humans reach salvation or have salvation only by their faith, not by what they do. Uh, and he claimed that this is sort of the true gospel, the one true gospel, and that all other faith, false gospels must be resisted. Is it that simple? You know, can we just say, well, there's this one gospel, and that's the only thing that's true? in regards to God, faith, Jesus, what have you. Sure, we can until somebody comes along with a different interpretation. <laughs> right. <laughs> you I can mean, say it all you want. Exactly. But didn't Jesus say that himself? There is only one true, um, what was it? It's not gospel, but to love one another? Well, he's talking about the uh, first and greatest commandment. Okay, so if he can say there's only one commandment that is above all others, can't you say that there's one gospel that's all above all others too? Good, cool. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, a great okay. question. So, so let me jump. So the question, yes, posed to Jesus in the scriptures was, which is the greatest commandment? And he did yeah. say, love God with all your heart, so love your neighbors yourself. Yeah, um, one and two, or one and one A. Right, one and one A. <laughs> But again, it was more of a, for, for, I think for him, it was more of like, this, this is your intention, no matter what you do, because, because strictly those weren't any of the commandments that were written or issued right. anywhere else. I mean, there were laws about living and getting along with your neighbor and there were laws about, yes, you know, holding God above all else. But I, I think for him, it was like, it was like summarizing, um, Hey, here's what you should be doing. Here's how you should apply these in 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 whatever you do so um i would i would say that but but yes he did he did do a good job of saying um it doesn't matter what laws you follow i think what he's really saying it doesn't matter how you stick to these laws if the intention under it is not about putting god first and and loving other people along with that you know it doesn't matter how well you to the letter of the law that you follow um, yeah 
And oh. there's something beautiful to that, right? To say that, you know, God's grace is a gift and there's nothing you can do to earn it. Uh, you can't, you don't have to work hard. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to do anything. You just have to receive the gift. And I think that's a beautiful, a beautiful picture of God's love. That's very simple and, and seems to ring true. I think that the challenge is that in the aftermath of the Reformation, it became, in my experience and in those of many others, a real focus on believing the right things, right. and then you're in the club. Then you get the grace. Then we know you're one of us. But it was still, so the works became believing the right things, which could also be seen as a work. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, I got a comment from from Sarah who's watching says uh protestant in my understanding is quote i have my own relationship with god versus catholicism quote you need to go through anointed humans who probably have abused their power in one and the other in order to communicate with god yeah there's something to that it definitely opened up channels uh as tina noted that now i can you know people were encouraged to read the scripture in their own language and this coincided with the printing press making even the availability of scripture for the layman a new reality for people um, and that, yes, you could sort of mediate your own relationship to God. You didn't have to go through the church or through a priest to have your sins forgiven via confession. But it's interesting because Luther didn't see himself as breaking with the church or starting anew anything. He was trying to reform the church and remain Catholic, remain part of the, the true church as he saw it. And to sort of, you know, at some point along the way, things broke off. Followers of Martin Luther said, now we're just going, just doing oh. our own thing most m most true reformers are like that i mean jesus was the same thing he wasn't looking to start a new movement he was looking to say you know you guys have taken taken these laws in the torah and you're basically so interested in abusing them or using them so strictly that you're free you're you're hurting people in the progress and in the process and that's beside the point um and next thing you know boom everybody's following that teaching and and you know as i as i teach in classes the earliest christians were still jews um you know they were they were following the Ju judaic laws and commandments and it's i i think it's only when and and you know you mentioned about paul you know um, I forget which book it was I read. The uh, the book by uh, was it Riza Aslan, a Zealot, mm -hmm. Zealot, or another one of his books. But he talked about how in the early early church, um, when Paul, after he had his experience, showed up to the early the, you know, the early church and disciples uh, and apostles and said, "All right, I I had this revelation, and yeah. he spoke to me, in uh, you know individually. So I'm I'm the guy now." And yeah. they're like, and they're like, what do you mean you're the guy? Yeah. Like, you who know, are you again? You, exactly. Who are you again? You well, actually, you're the guy who's been killing us. <laughs> you're the guy who's been killing us. We're not gonna suddenly just follow you. And at this time, it was Jesus's brother James who was the head of the church. That's right. And they were like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. That's not how it's gonna roll. So Paul said, well, forget y'all. I'm out. And he goes and like embarks on this campaign. Um, and he does the traveling and starts all these churches everywhere else and is speaking to the Gentiles. Yeah, yeah. And that's truly where I would say, you know, Christianity really became a, a thing for all the masses because 
originally, as we were saying, it was it was about reform and Judaism. Right, right. You're right. And Paul Paul ends up bringing uh, many uh, Gentiles, but in other words, non-Jews into the faith uh, of following Jesus. And then what Martin Luther does is really focus in on Paul's writings almost exclusively um, in developing his theology of grace and faith. Uh, and so he really developed a gospel according to Paul. He wouldn't have said it that way, I'm sure, but but really well, that's, that's what it is. And, and, and that's what a lot of people call, you know, contemporary Monday Christianity. They really call it Pollyannity because so much of yeah. what we believe as Christianity right now is informed by Paul's teachings, which for me is really problematic given a Paul never actually met Jesus, heard the teachings firsthand, had basically this mystical experience and decided he knew it all because of his mystical experience. And, you know, it wasn't that what he has said or written or claimed to have written or even some of the stuff that's been, uh, what do you call it, attributed to him that he didn't write that we know now. Um, it's not that any of this stuff isn't isn't meaningful, doesn't have great lessons and great teachings, but I don't believe it is the, you know, the first or the final word about the teachings of Jesus and what Jesus's life, teachings and death represented. So all I think. Paul, I think, had really, you know, what do you call it? He had some big cojones to say, I'm I'm the guy, what I what I say is what it's supposed to be. And you know, it's interesting that um Martin Luther really had a uh, a guilt complex, really focused on guilt. I mean, and not surprisingly, right, in the Catholic Church where you constantly didn't measure up and so forth, and and just had this really weighty idea of God views me as utterly sinful. I keep screwing up. What I need is released from that. And so when he read Paul, he read Paul through this lens of, I have all this guilt, but oh, it's freely forgiven. And so for him, it was just this like spiritual awakening of relief from his guilt. And um, there's this, uh, let's see, I think he's Danish uh, theologian, uh, Christer Stendhal, who wrote a, a piece, an article called Paul in the introspective conscience of the West. And it notes that, um, you know, Martin Luther read his own situation into the Apostle Paul's life in his experience and kind of was reading back what he was experiencing into what Paul was writing and just developing his theology sort of forwards and backwards that way with Paul. And then, then we read scripture through the lens of Martin Luther, through Paul. And we have this real guilt complex in much of Western Christianity because we focus on sin and on well, the, need for, well, I don't, the I need don't, for Jesus, right? I don't have a guilt complex anymore. <laughs> That's because you're flapping in the wind on the. Side. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think Paul was an opportunist. <laughs> <laughs> I think he saw that where things were going and wanted to be on the forefront of it. Yeah. And he, yeah, he went, no, he took, took a show on the road. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that was opportunist. I think that was that was simply fine. If y'all don't want to hear what I have to say, I'll, I'll go find some people who do. Go find a cat. No, no a I mean, I mean his his sudden change of heart and his, you know. Uh, oh, oh, you didn't think he had a genuine. Was it a real? Did he really meet Jesus on the road? He, did he have a come to Jesus moment, which actually was him just saying, "Oh, I see which way the wind is blowing." Yeah. Or he had some really great hallucinogens. Well, 
Tina, Tina, the this pagan cynic. The sun was really bright, and he couldn't see. He was blinded. So Listen, no, could I've have been, could have been acid. I've spoken. To, I've spoken. Speaking. I've spoken to people who've had mystical experiences. I do not in any way, shape, or form doubt that mystical experiences are real. And yeah. I didn't say they're not real. I said there's a real possibility that he was an opportunist, and he realized that he could make a lot more whatever. But you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say no because at that time, Christianity wasn't gaining momentum. <laughs> It wasn't like it was coming into popularity. It was, it was, yeah. How do you know, Ogan? You only hear about a culture of a place. You never hear about the subculture. Wait, you never hear about the low, the lowly people. What's going on? That's the subculture. And there's a lot more that happens in the subculture way before it ever comes to surface. So I'm, I'm going to say because history. that History is written by who, Ogan? Well, definitely yeah. not definitely not the victors because in this case well, usually this, it is come on now and but this, not always but in this case in this case at that time they were not the victors in any way shape or form okay but and they got to write about it no they didn't write about it actually the romans after after christianity became the you know the religion of the empire wrote about it but here's the thing they would in no way shape or form given credit to this ragtag band of jews that they were trying to crucify so until it became the popular thing to do give credit to the people they were persecuting no i don't i don't i don't think so no i i i i i believe paul had paul had a true experience um and and no i don't i don't think he should have used it the way he did to try and take the church over but you know did martin luther have a true experience did he claim he did he didn't have a mystical experience he just had an, yeah, intellectual, so. an intellectual overload he had some moments of like breakthrough insight but I, he wouldn't have framed that as like jesus met me on the road to wittenberg or something yeah no not, not actually that. paul met me on the road is i think how he said it not not so much <laughs> Kidding. Where's 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 the rim shot for that? There we go. Mm, well done. Hey, you were on the ball there. So, uh, according to Martin Luther, fallen human beings are in bondage to sin, or in other words, they do not have any ability to do what is good in God's sight. That's well, kind of that feels a little harsh, doesn't it? What harsh? And it's like a cop out. Be like, oh. I can't do anything good for God anyhow. I might as well go do whatever the hell I want. Hey, <laughs> he did say, if you're going to sin, sin boldly. <laughs> Martin Luther said that. Hey, if you're going to sin, then go all the way, baby. Exactly. Um, but it's kind of a depressing view. How is that last? How is that held so long in the church? Because it brings people to Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yes, right. <laughs> You know, if 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 we can't if we can't do anything good, and our or 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 innate quality is sinful, then the whole point is the what do we what what do we do to fix that? Oh, here's the fix. The fix is believing Jesus' death was for our salvation. So you know, you, you give one solution. That's the solution everybody's got to go to. Uh, again, unless you don't subscribe to the problem in the first place. Uh, mm. 
So, you know, there, there's another out, but <laughs> it's another option. That's, that's <laughs> another option, but not a very well, uh, you know, at that time publicized, believed right. option in, in Christendom. Right. I'm sorry, but this is like traumatic bonding. <laughs> like you're going to die if you don't follow me. Like you're going to well, die. Yeah. You're going to burn in hell forever if you don't do what I say. Well, yes, that was the that's the interpretation again, and there there's a lot of interpretations. It's kind of the interpretation of traumatic bonding too. Well, <laughs> not so, a healthy thing. Not disagreeing with you. And so Paul's reading of his contemporaries, right? Because Paul is Jewish. He was a Pharisee. He was trained in rabbinical rabbinical Judaism, or or at least nascent rabbinical Judaism, and yet then he's critiquing fellow Jews of the time, saying that they're attempting to secure righteousness or salvation by observing God's commands, by doing the right things, by circumcising, by worshiping on the Sabbath, by not eating food sacrificed to idols, and so forth. And Paul says, doesn't matter if you circumcise, don't circumcise, you know, it doesn't matter which day, you just got to cut through all that and realize it's just by grace. And then Paul reads Luther, you know, some 1500 years later and says, hey, you Roman Catholics in the church are also trying to gain righteousness or salvation by doing the right things. And he jumps right on board with Paul's critique. You mean so, Luther, Luther read Paul, not Paul read Luther? You didn't have I, to. Some, some, sometimes, sorry, <laughs> thank you. Did I, did I mess that up? But didn't Jesus do the same thing with the Pharisees? Tell them it's not about the rules? Like, why is this a repeating thing over and over? He didn't. So I, Jesus wasn't so much about it's not about the rules. Jesus was about if that follow the rules to help each other out, to lift each other up, not put each other down. That was the whole point. Um, Jesus was not about abandoned rules. He, he himself said, I've not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. In other words. Well, it doesn't sound like Paul or Luther is saying that either. They're just saying no, don't abuse them don't i mean don't use them to control other people don't you know yeah yeah and you know luther uh, paul got pretty nasty uh and you know saying i wish these guys would just go emasculate themselves if they're going to be so uptight about circumcision <laughs> so you know paul got pretty pretty right in their face and luther jumped right on board with with paul and felt he was spot on and and you know, created his critique of the church in his day along those lines. And you could say, sure, you know, were there things that were being done that seemed to be uh, a religious abuse? Absolutely. Uh, he was right about that. But I think, I think where the Reformation sort of overreacted was by being so worried about not allowing good works to get us into heaven, that good works came to be seen as a negative. Like we can't do anything positive because God might think we're trying to earn God's favor or people might think we're showing off and not trusting in God's grace. And I think it just created a lot of apathetic Christianity, a lot of lazy Christianity where it's like God's grace, baby, I'm in and can't do anything else because God might think I'm here to impress. Hmm. It's an interesting well, take. Well, it's just not saying. wrong. It's, it's not wrong. Mm -mm. Not at all. Uh, well, I could, I could, it's so right. It's wrong. <laughs> I mean, I could be a Christian <laughs> I could be a Christian who doesn't do any good works, for example. And, you know, all I do is could yes, you? believe Jesus is my savior, read my Bible and just sit on my couch all day. Yeah. And, but is that actually a Christian? 
Well, again, it depends on how you define what a Christian means. Oh, absolutely. You know, technically, I guess, by Luther's and Paul's broad definition, that's good enough. Good enough, but what about by Jesus' definition? Well, again, love God with your whole heart and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. So, Well, isn't it in that love your neighbor as yourself? Love your neighbor implies you're doing things. Well, if I want want to be left alone, (laughs) I'll leave my neighbors alone. No, I listen. I, I agree with all of what you're saying in terms of of that, but again, this is where we've run into problems with every iteration of every religious movement. Whether it's Christianity, Buddhism has the same problem sure. too. You know, you got passive Buddhists and we got active Buddhists who are out right. doing social change and and social justice works and say that is a tenet of Buddhism, and then there's the other. You know, there are other folks who say, no, Buddhism is all about, you know, sitting and meditating and going inward, you know, so. Is that a problem, though, Hogan? I mean, is not, really- No, it's not a problem. I'm just saying it, it exists everywhere. I wouldn't say it's a problem in Christianity either. I mean, it, it, it exists. And, and you what we do nowadays is we go find we go find whatever strain of Christianity or Buddhism or whatever that more aligns with our personal values. I mean, yes. So many options to choose from. Let's just find the one that works for us. I think we've. I think more people than not have let go of the idea of this is the right one, as opposed to this is the one that's right for me. I don't know. If not, not if you lived around my parts. Uh, a lot of people believe I've got exactly the right one, and it's the right one for everybody. Yep. And one of the, so one of the things as I was saying about this whole aversion to good works and this focus on, on grace and faith only um, is that some folks will see like, you know, my own theological views or my church community and say, well, you just believe in the social gospel. You know, you just believe in, in helping people and feeding the poor and reaching out to, you know, uh, people on the margins and fighting against ecological injustice, economic injustice, war that's just social gospel that's not the real gospel the real gospel is trusting jesus who died for your sins blah 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 but you know if you read jesus in let's say matthew 25 when he tells the parable of the sheep and the goats it's the ones who saw hungry naked in prison etc and did something who are the ones who get invited to be with jesus in eternity the ones who did nothing are the ones who sorry you're going to the left hand you're the goats we'll see you later don't let the door hit you. That's so some, I'm just saying. That's some know? really deep reading between the lines right there. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think of the Reformation was this overemphasis on grace to the exclusion of works that are good for our fellow humanity. But don't you think the pendulum swings like that? Like, like it was so far to the do good works and pay your way into heaven that it just swung the complete opposite way because we're human and for some reason we have to operate at extremes. Yeah, yeah. I think like, you're exactly right. It's it's like it's like Obama and then Trump. <laughs> oh, stop. Yeah. Hey, am good... I wrong? Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong? I was thinking we needed to swing but even further to the left, unfortunately, and that obviously no. that didn't happen. What we need to do is let the pendulum settle. <laughs> and I think in terms of Christianity, the settle in the pendulum looked like all these different splintering offs. Yeah. Um, right, right. You know, the Lutheran movement splintered into what and then those into what so it's like yeah again so if we use your analogy ogan our country needs to splinter off back into states 
back in individual ooh, countries. Ooh. That's a, that's a side tributary, but interesting thought. Uh, <laughs> a really side so tributary. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us to uh, to this quote we have on number four, which um, is from Barbara Kingsolver's novel, The Poisonwood Bible, in which uh, one of the characters refers to the Ten Commandments as ten fresh ways to wreck your life. Nice. Which I love. It just makes me laugh. It's this little girl who's just, her family's just moved to, to Africa on a mission, like in the 1950s or something. And she says, her dad preaching reminds her of Moses coming down off Mount Sinai, <laughs> Mount Sinai, holding those documents that are 10 fresh ways to wreck your life. <laughs> so it just made me laugh and made me think about the 10 commandments. And, you know, Luther said the point of the law is so that we can see how sinful we are and how much we need Jesus. John Calvin felt, well, the law also has this role of guiding our behavior in a Christian's life. So I'm wondering, do you, see the Ten Commandments as a solid basis for living a moral life today? Do they still have relevance? I think they do. And I, um, when I, the first time, because the Ten Commandments to me when I was younger was like, you obey them or you're going to burn in hell. Um, I love, love that book. Yeah. Um, but Remember, when, this is mainly an audio podcast. So if you're going to hold up a book, at least. Well, he already said the title, Ogan. It's for the for our viewers. People. I was holding up the Poisonwood Bible. But it's Barbara for King's the over. visual people. But in the middle of your statement, you just went, oh, I love that book. We don't know what you're talking about. Those just yeah, I do. He just said the po Poisonwood uh, Whatever. Okay. So anyhow. As, as you I were, saying, Tina. I interrupted so, you. I'm sorry. So I grew up with the whole, you know, if you don't follow the Ten Commandments, you're going to burn in hell. Yeah. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I went to a UCC church. And my minister, awesome, Brian, honest to God, it was, it was such a, um, an important time in my life. Um, but the minister went off, he was in the reserves and he went off to, I want to say Iraq or Iran. Oh, I thought you meant he went off the reserves. I got, no, no. I got you. Um, but his, his wife took over cause she was a minister as well. And she explained the 10 commandments as guidelines for your life. To, to live an easier life. Like if you dis, if you don't obey the 10 commandments, you're not going to burn in hell, but you're going to have consequences. And, you know, so if, if you obey the 10 commandments, you're just going to have an easier, more peaceful life. And that made sense to me. So I agree ah. with that statement from the book. Okay. So it still can be a, gu a helpful guideline. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are, there are good precepts uh, to follow. Here's my issue with them. However, with yeah, that when they were written, they didn't apply wholesale to every human. So the Ten Commandments were written, yes. you know, by the by the Israelites for the Israelites. So, you know, we had thou shalt not kill. Really what it meant was thou shalt not kill another Israelite or someone in your tribe because they had no problem going and committing genocide and slaughtering a bunch of other Logan, people. We still but, live that way. Okay, I'm, I know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Not, we got we still got work to do, but Ogan's just right. giving some context. I'm, but I'm also you could you could stone your child if if he or she talked well, back there, to you. There so. was there was that. There was I there, wanted to, Brian. <laughs> thou, thou shall not kill unless, you know, and, and there were a bunch of a there were a bunch of reasons. Unless they've earned it. Yeah. <laughs> unless they earned it. And here's how you can earn a, a good stone in. <laughs> That's <laughs> the title. Here's how to earn a good stoning. <laughs> You guys remember that scene from A Life of Brian Monty Python? Did you see oh that? Oh my goodness! Where you couldn't you so couldn't long. say the word Jehovah, so that was worthy yes. of stoning. 
and women weren't allowed to attend Stonin, so there were all these women with fake beards on. <laughs> yes, classic. <laughs> oh my goodness! But so so there's so there's there's that as well, and again the context of them. So for example, yes, thou shall not kill, and I think I'd raise this point um, a couple episodes ago. You know, if someone breaks in. You know, worst case scenario, someone is threatening the life of my child, you know, and it comes down mm-hmm. to my child's life or their life. I'm probably going to take their life. I mean, I'm just saying person. I'd like to think I'm a bigger person and find some way to peace resolve that. And I hope that I will in the moment. But if it literally comes down to that, you know, I'm going to Okay, do but there's going to be consequences. That's all I'm saying. Well, Have maybe. you been watching The Walking Dead or what, what's happening here? If I got a good lawyer in police self-defense, I might get off. I don't know, but I'm just saying, but but the point I'm making is, again, they're really good (laughs) to the point you guys were making. There are good guidelines that we should consider. And as always, there's always going to be some weird context where you have to step outside of those. And to your point, Tina, yes, it generally will get more complicated and might not end well, but, you know. I mean, I think that's for every for every rule you know there's exceptions like obey your mother and father okay but if your parents are completely psycho you probably don't want to obey them you know like use your moral guidance too exactly exactly um and i think honestly that's what the continual evolution and reforming of luther's views were it uh, you know as we go through history this whole idea of relating to god became more and more of an internal relationship as opposed to an externally guided one um and i think really only when you look uh, i'm just speaking in the context of the u.s what is it the 50s and 60s when fundamentalism really made its its rise that it got back to that whole external guidance in terms of mm-hmm. you know looking to the literalism of the bible you know right. i always i always remind people this this that whole evangelical literal view of the Bible is a fairly recent phenomenon when you look at, you know, yeah. both American history and history of Christianity. Um, and, and we lose, we lose track of that. Indeed. Indeed. So if you could uh, write your own 10 commandments for uh, guidelines for living for today, I'm not going to ask you for 10 things, but what's one or two things you might include. Can this be homework? I was gonna say, what we we need. I didn't give you a heads up on this, did I? No, you did not. Thanks a lot, dude. Just but here's one. Me. Here's one. I got 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 one. Yeah. Thou shall take a nap every day. See? Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Thou, that's good. Thou, that's all. That's all we're looking for. Here. Thou shall have sex as often as possible. Okay, so for next show, we're gonna write. We're each gonna write our own Ten Commandments. Okay. I think so. All right. All right. A little knowing homework. Me, knowing, knowing me, you'll be like eight forty-five next Tuesday. Scrolling. <laughs> Thou shalt not spring surprise quizzes on the right. Exactly on the co-hosts. Co-hosts. Yeah. Hey Brian, I think you should finish the Poisonwood Bible, and we should um do a show on it because well, there's be a good. lot. I'm of really loving good it. I, I mean, I'm, then I'll have to reread it because I read the thing years ago. Wow. Yeah, I'm really, too. I'm really at the beginning here. You know, like. Well, you'll need more than a week. Page thirty, you know, I'm not. There's not gonna be enough beach time between now and the next show. Yeah. In fact, I might have just had the last beach time of the season. So. You know what we should do? You know what we should do? We should have like we should have like a pub theology live book club. Ooh. We're like like once a quarter. You know, give people time. You get a nice nice book. Like it. It could be. And then we'll do a book show. 
And we do we do a book show. I like mm. it. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh my God. Let's do it. We should do it. All right. I like the book show. The Bible. <laughs> I like the yeah, we'll start exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Oh, I got I you know, I'm gonna bet most of our listening audience would have read that anyways. No, I know no. it's not a new one, so that's the trouble you run into there. People have to reread it, but uh but yeah, it might it might be an interesting thing. We'll we'll bat around with that idea offline. We will, we will bat it around. You know, okay. we can start with our own books. Would that be a little bit too pretentious? That might be too I, much. I was thinking that. <laughs> It might be too much. We could try it. I, actually, I, I would like to do it with Tina's book. I'd feel a little weird about mine, but of course, you know. Oh, thanks, Brian. My, my book might fit our topic, but it's—I don't know. It'd be weird. It's the name of the show. It kind of fits. It could work. It could, yeah, it could work. I guess you're right. You're right. Fair enough. Guess that means I have to read it. Fair enough. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know what? We should take a poll. How many of us have read each other's books? <laughs> I read yours, Elgin. I know. Poll. So you read you read mine. You didn't read Brian's. No. I've read yours. I've read. I didn't read the original Pub Theology, but what was that ebook that you put out? Uh, yeah, Pub Theology One Hundred One. Yeah, that one I read. Is that Cliff yeah. Note version? That's mine. <laughs> That's the Cliff Note version. <laughs> Brian, have you read either of our books? Uh, that's probably a negatory. Oh, um, dude, man, where's the love? Where is the love? Brian, homework. do you have a copy of my book? There is homework for next time. Uh, I don't think I do yet. In fact, that's been on my list. So you I will. I'll send you one. I, I have your address. I'll send you one. Brian, do you have a copy of my book? I'm I'm just I'm just short on co-host books. Zero man, you're batting zero. <laughs> I'm batting zero in time. Wait, look at the time. <laughs> Brian. Wow, I think it's Brian. Like, weren't we wrapping up here? Brian, I'm gonna send you a copy of my book and I want you to have I want you to have your teenager that loves the outdoors read it. Yes. All right, good. Yeah. Okay. Done. Yeah. They will Done. they will love it. So yeah, Brian, show show your co-host some love and read our stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, anyone listening, show us all some love. If you know right? <laughs> Are you trying to drag people under the bus with you? <laughs> I am. I just, yeah, we're all hurting here. All right. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in and listening to Pub Theology Live. Listen, connect, spread the word on social media. Let folks know that you found this great, insightful, funny, deep podcast and you want to share it with them. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. If you'd rate us on iTunes, that would be awesome. If you would like to have a conversation like this in your town, gathering with people of different religious perspectives, backgrounds, philosophical ideas, you can find groups on the directory at pubtheology.com. And if there's not a group in your town, you can find resources to start your own. Thank you again to our sponsors, Wink Wine Club, who you'll find at trywink.com slash ptlive and Casual Priest at casualpriest.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. our top five this week all right so in our top 10 listening cities we've got columbus ohio 
San Diego, California, Kingston, Ontario, Canada, Mexicali, Mexicali, Mexico, Woo-hoo. international, Mountain View, California, Holland, Michigan, and number one, Schenectady, New York. Wow. Schenectady jumping in there. Schenectady with it was a runaway winner. So somebody's catching up on old episodes or something. something. Cool. Yeah. So thank you all for tuning in. Love it. That that is that is awesome.